Hello and welcome to Cloud Insiders, the podcast that brings cloud down to earth, brought to you by Extrovert. From wherever you may be listening, I'd just like to say hello, welcome, and thank you for, uh, for joining us today. My name is Stuart Robinson, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Um, I'm over the moon to be joined by Tom McVeigh, sales engineer over at Menlo. Hi, Tom, and thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Really great to, to be here. I'm excited. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I say it's absolutely brilliant to have you here. Now, Tom is with us today because we're talking about security. It's a, it's a topic that we've picked up on a few times in the history of the podcast. And we've delved into the deep, dark depths of SDN and network security on more than a couple of occasions. But now it's time to dust off the day glow. We're going to talk security at the next level up. So as none of us really want to have lived it anyway, I'm going to talk about 2020 in the past tense. It was an interesting year. Many of us got very familiar with our own four walls. And in the world of IT, an absolute whirlwind occurred. Suddenly, entire workforces were having to work from home. IT decision makers were creating plans and making quick fixes to get everyone onto new systems. And rules were bent, some corners were cut, but ultimately it was okay because it's just for a couple of months. Decades passed. Well, okay, probably not decades, but it's kind of felt like it to most of us. Suffice to say, we're now eight months in working with these quick fixes and IT teams have been or are now trying to get to backfill the holes that were opened up. That's one dystopian view of how 2020 panned out for the IT teams. But let's ask Tom. Now, as I mentioned at the top, you're a sales engineer for Menlo, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what roads brought you to where you are now and a little bit about Menlo? Yeah, certainly. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Tom. Um, I've been working as a sales engineer for about six or seven years now. I actually got started really young, uh, straight away out of college, didn't go to university, got a little apprenticeship at a small reseller. And they gave me like way more responsibility than I deserved at that age. <laughs> and uh, used that as good experience to move up. Uh, I went to a company called uh, Veronis that do a lot of data protection. And then I did a tenure at uh, Logarithm. So that's more a traditional security area around SIM technology. And that touches a whole lot of bases. So you see attacks coming from every vector with SIM. So I got a really good understanding, I guess, of the big picture of security there. And then moved to Menlo about seven months ago now, just at the start of the year. I was quite lucky, just got in before the, the lockdown and everything happened, which I know some people were doing the job hunt during which yeah couldn't have been that fun. But yeah, I've been really happy to join Menlo. The technology very much excited me when I was going through interviews and yeah, happy to be able to run through the Menlo technology with you guys today. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. So all joking aside, 2020 has been a bit of a rocky year for everyone. Could you give us a brief overview of how IT security has changed and why it's so important since the world started working from home? Absolutely. I think there's been a huge change. As you said, a lot of organizations rushed towards getting their remote workers capable outside the office. And they, they did a lot of those quick fixes. So you would have, uh, you know, IT departments quickly rushing to get the uh, their laptops and uh, other remote devices connected up and working. So users could at least do things like email or or maybe actually access a few resources. But they wouldn't really take security into the forefront of that deployment. So it would be unlikely, I think, that most organizations would have started that rush to get those users working from home with, with security at the forefront of their mind. I think they were obviously focusing on productivity, which makes sense. So what you've ended up with is a lot of organizations that have very unprotected home workers now. 
I've worked with multiple companies very recently that have just simply laptops deployed and that's it. So they've basically given all their homework as a laptop. Some of these aren't even domain joined. If they are domain joined, then that's better than most, to be honest. And then those laptops have uh, no security on them, really. You might be lucky if they have like just a generic endpoint uh, agent, then that's good. But uh, some of them won't even have that. They'll just have the generic Microsoft stuff. And then they previously were laptops that were used mostly inside of the inside of the network. So what's happening there is they would have had the security from the security stack with the proxy, the email gateway, the firewall. But now they're either having to VPN back in, which is again quite rare, or in a lot of scenarios, I'm seeing them just go direct out to the internet. So you have these laptops with bare bones, if any, defensive technology on those machines, uh, able to just go directly out to the internet. They can click on any link they like. They've got no proxy. They've got no visibility on what users are doing in that as well. So since they're not using the VPN, they're not going to the proxy. You can't even see what they're clicking on. Uh, They're especially vulnerable to phishing because any kind of payload in that is immediately accessible and dangerous. So if there's a link that convinces a user for them to click on, uh, they can go ahead and click on that. And there's nothing going to stop them from that dangerous web page from infecting them. And yeah, just generally, we've had a huge opening of of threat actors, basically, from the start of lockdown. And attackers are making uh, the best use of that because they're all still at home right now. (laughs) So the lockdown didn't really affect the attackers, to be honest. It's opened up more areas for them. And if anything, they've got more time to do the hacking at the minute. Yeah. So yeah, it's turbulent time for a lot of organizations. We're seeing an increase in breaches, for sure. Thank you for bringing up breaches, because like, how, how much would you say a, a, a data breach does um, cost a company at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think the average is hovering around $4 million um, from from the statistics I've seen, which is, you know, um, definitely not a, a small sum. But uh, I think these only really include the the costs for the for the cleanup operation as well. I think another cost that's quite hard to objectify sometimes is the brand damage. So you you could count on you know four million dollars to maybe repair it and and get everything back up and running, but then you've also got to take into account the you know the brand damage and is, are your customers actually going to be you know seeing you as a trustworthy uh, source anymore? Yeah, uh, uh, and so you you've kind of mentioned a couple in there about the phishing and um, other kind of things that people are more susceptible to. But um, if we do a quick recap, what are the main risks facing IT teams in 2020 and how have they changed because of 2020? Yeah, I think um, I think the main risks pretty much stay the same from 2019 to 2020 in terms of which ones are the top risks. So it's been for a while now, it's been web and email at the top in terms of threat vectors for quite a long time, maybe a few years, yeah. email especially, but um, they've become more potent now in 2020. So those were, those were the two most common attack vectors, either email or, or web previous. But now... As mentioned, since all these users are at home, remote working, perhaps not really having the same level of security they had in the office, they're now seeing that you know those same attacks be much more successful. So if a user does click on that dodgy link and goes to a, a you know, malicious website, or if they click on or open an attachment in an email that was sent that is malicious, then those are actually executing properly and the, the malware is actually infecting the users at a much greater rate. Whereas previously they may have been you know, picked up by the antivirus or the 
firewall or the proxy. And how many times, how often do you see this happening? I mean, yeah, we, we see companies well, that we speak with them quite often of having you know, phishing attacks. I don't think we've really spoken to a company at all that hasn't had some sort of phishing. We, we get them as well. I get them through my email. Everyone I know has received some phishing. I get them through to my mobile. I had one pretty convincing literally yesterday that was saying, you know, Lloyds Bank, if you've uh, logged into a new device, please click on this link to confirm it. And I hadn't obviously logged into a new device. And I almost pressed it and just thought, wait, this is coming from a mobile number. It's kind of strange. But it, they're very, very convincing now. And they come at you from from every angle of each device that you use. Um, not just your work email, but your mobile number, <laughs> um, instant messaging, it's its all over. Yeah. yeah. You, do, you do start to feel sorry for the guys who have kind of got the less convincing ones. Like when you get the text <laughs> from your bank saying, this is your bank and we really need your bank details. I'm not even with the bank you're claiming to be with. So uh, <laughs> do your research. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At least spearfish me, you know, rubbish through my, uh, my <laughs> papers that I've thrown out with all my address and information. <laughs> I'm not happy until I've seen you rummaging through my bins is what you're trying to say. <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. <laughs> okay. So um, there are still a lot of attack vectors out there and arguably a growing number, especially with everyone working from home. And then you have to take into account uh, everyone's hardware at home, which I'm guessing is just another place people can get in. But um, let's duck out of the doom and gloom for a little bit and stop talking about what could go wrong. And let's talk about how you fix it. Menlo have something called uh, cloud isolation core technology. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why a business should be embracing it? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we we obviously try and fix a lot of the problems we've we've spoken about. We work closely with this cloud transformation model because if you think about it, the the whole remote worker and you know, COVID-19 situation has pushed cloud transformation for a lot of businesses. So you do see uh, not only remote workers existing, but also just you know, companies generally attracting and, and diverging more attention to cloud platforms. Uh, and that's exactly what Menlo Security is. We're, we're a cloud platform first. We're basically a web and email security uh, vendor, but we do the security in a bit of a different way. So you'll be very aware i'm sure everyone is aware of how your generic proxies work and how they would work in the cloud as well that's not a new thing Uh, we do we are you know generally a web proxy in the cloud uh, with email protection as well but the the whole difference as you mentioned to how we actually provide our security and our kind of unique selling point is our core isolation technology Um, so what this actually does is it's a really unique way to remove any chance of uh, executable contact coming in into, into contact with your end user's devices. So as mentioned, when we have all these remote workers around or even you know workers in the office or different uh, distributed offices across the world, you have a, um, uh, a scenario where users are reaching out to the internet to integrate with technologies and uh, access uh, websites and open emails and attachments and documents. And every company in the world needs that to happen. But those documents and websites have a risk associated to them. Every time a user goes and opens this content, they're interacting with active code, with executable code. So for example, with websites, you're running JavaScript. With a document, if you download a PDF, you'll run macros that are embedded in there. All of these can be used to distribute and actually run malware. If you download a PDF that contains ransomware, um, it's most likely going to actually use a, the macro within the PDF to deploy that. And if you open the PDF and your antivirus hasn't already quarantined it or your you know, your firewall hasn't picked it up or anything, then if you actually open that, it's kind of game over at that stage. Yeah. You'll, you will be infected on your device um, for sure. Uh, how far it goes after that, 
you know, we'll see how your adaptive security does. But um, what we want to do is separate that ability for the users to actually come into contact with that code. You know, if they if they come into contact with the executable uh, malicious code, then it is kind of game over for them. So we want to remove that ability completely. Uh, and we do that through a process called isolation. And what that does is before the user actually comes into contact directly with uh, this active code, they first connect to an isolated cloud container. So containers obviously are basically like really small, very lightweight VMs in the cloud. Um, these can be spooled, spooled up in about half a second. So we can kind of click our fingers and a small virtual container will, will boot up in our cloud. The user will then connect to, to that container and basically the container takes all the risk for that user. So instead of their laptop running and executing this PDF or this website, it's the container that then makes the final connection over to the website and then runs the JavaScript, or it's the container that makes a connection to the PDF document and runs the document and you know, runs the macros. So the worst case scenario in, in, in the Menlo situation is we have a user that does click on this dodgy content and they do go to a you know, malicious link. But uh, the worst case scenario is it's actually the container that's going to be infected, not them, since they're never actually running that code. The container is. Um, and we simply render the, the content down to them. So if it's a website, we will render that content. If it's a document, we provide them with a document preview. And um, the user experience is very much up there. I don't really think there's a, a significant de degradation. I think it's very hard for users to tell that they're even being isolated, which is one of our key features. But at the end of the day, you're, you're really removing 100% you know, of risk from web and email threats. And I think for every organization that's listening, all of them would rate you know, email and web as their <laughs> highest risk, the thing they devote the most time to. And if they can actually get that, 100% success figure, which is not an exaggeration, then yeah, I think it's a really good technology for them. I think I think 100% success figure, that's a pretty impressive number to be able to throw out there. <laughs> yeah, we do actually put our money where our mouth is on that. So we actually have a up to a $1 million malware warranty. So if there is a, ever a breach through an isolated connection, we obviously believe that's impossible and it hasn't happened so far. Uh, but if that does happen, we'll basically refund any of our customers' contract values in full or up to $1 million. So it's not like we're just kind of saying this stuff. Um, and we yeah. actually have something to prove it. That's pretty confident. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've mentioned that isolation technology plays a part in cloud transformation. So what part does it play and what, where, where's the improvement on uh, what we were doing in the past? Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of coming back to that VPN story mentioned before where you would have, and, and a lot of organizations are in this situation right now, especially after um, moving all their workers to work from home, is they they don't have a, a cloud-first uh, strategy for web or email protection, and they have you know, on-premise, maybe appliance-based or virtual uh, email security or web gateways. And the only way that they can get those remote workers back through this security that they've probably invested a fair amount of money into is to use a VPN to tunnel the traffic back into the main HQ and then run it straight up in line um, you know, through those proxies to you know, basically get the functionality from them. Um, and this is kind of a, a workaround solution. Those proxies were never really designed to be uh, you know, VPN to, to backhaul all of that traffic. And it's not it's not the end of the world. It it works, but it's kind of inefficient, especially if those VPNs are used for actual, you know, generally quite important applications or 
or internal data that is really needed and it is the only way to get there. If you have a bunch of you know people just browsing YouTube or just browsing web, if, if that's all going through the same tunnel, it can be disturbing that the space and the, the bandwidth that you need for those vital applications, that's kind of going to a, a bit to waste. It's a little bit inefficient and it, it's sort of subject to, to break quite easily as well if the user doesn't have the VPN connection running all the time. They're not even going to be able to get to the internet at all. If there's like an authentication change, they have to manually update that on the VPN a lot of the time and causes a lot of overhead. So it does make a lot more sense to essentially break out to the cloud instead. So instead of having your users who are at home and wanting to go to the internet, instead of backhauling all that traffic to the main office, running it through your security and then going back out to the internet again and then all the way back through the same process, uh, if the users can just break out directly to the internet from home, but still do it in a secure way, it's obviously much more efficient to do that. And that's why uh, Menlo security, but also really any cloud proxy uh, works well for that scenario because they can break out straight to the internet. We're based on Amazon Web Services, so we're kind of at the core of of most of the internet. Uh, so there's no real, no real latency challenge. So you'll have a reduction in latency for those web resources uh, while using you know, a cloud proxy. And then you also have a reduction in the usage of your VPN because you're not having to back all of that, all of that traffic anymore. Hmm. Well, that's absolutely awesome. And I think we don't know each other that well, but I think we both knew that a comment like this was coming. It's time to get sassy. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about sassy or secure access, secure edge as it's otherwise known? Sassy, I love it. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, so secure access, secure edge, I think sassy is the easier way to say that. Um, <laughs> is uh, it's a new uh, term coined by Gartner, um, and I'm sure everyone listening is aware of Gartner. But just for those that might not, they're um, a large, almost like a review organization. That's probably the wrong word for them there. That uh, that basically steer the cybersecurity industry in ways that they think it should go. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like a lot of responsibility to go to just a single company, <laughs> and it probably is. But they uh, they basically have uh, quadrants that they rank security vendors on, and they decide basically what we're going to rank them on. And SASE is a new thing for the web security quadrant. So. This is where they want their vendors to go in the future. And it's kind of, it's good because it gives you an idea of the future of the security industry because SASE is almost a brand new term and there's no real vendor that's offering 100% SASE capability at the minute, Um, but I'm sure that will be the case in the future. So what SASE is, is essentially like, uh, it's basically a combination of CASB, firewalls, a service and zero trust principles. So it's, it is the next generation of web security. But when we say web security, it's not just browser-based browsing security. It's you know, SaaS application security. It's you know, full authentication in an open web security. Um, it's cloud transformation security. Um, it's kind of these next-gen terms that are all kind of being welded together. So right now, we have all of those functions. Everyone can have and use a CASB um, you can integrate zero trust principles into your organizations right now, but you don't have a single <laughs> vendor or piece of security that can actually cover all of those. You'll need to have several different pieces. You'll need a, you'll need an SD WAN so that you're actually able to steer the traffic into these you know, intelligent areas. You'll need a CASB solution to understand what kind of data is actually being used in which applications and to you know set policy on that. 
you'll need a firewall as a service um, because you'll need to set up rules and policies from more of a global cloud area than you would, again, from from in a single network. And then you'll also need to use uh, you know zero trust uh, policies, and that's you know four different products just off the top of my head there, and that's not including all of them. So yeah, it's kind of a bit divulgent at the minute, but the idea is to bring all of these different technologies um, together under one banner, which is SASE, um, and that's what Gartner is trying to push there. Yeah, you, you mentioned SD-WAN and a couple of other bits in there. Presumably this well, works well with um, most virtual desktop and workspace technologies, such as Horizon VMware Workspace One. Um, what are the main technologies that you guys are working with in that space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that all fits the picture with Horizon, especially with cloud transformation and especially with the current situation, you know, having the virtual desktops just available kind of at a whim to boot up and down and to dynamically scale that capability is super useful and, and also fits the sassy picture of you're kind of really dynamically providing the amount of resources and security that are needed. So if you have like, you know, especially during this time where you know airlines are a good example where they they have a bunch of staff and a bunch of resources and the staff they've been able to put on you know furlough uh, for a lot of this scenario but the resources especially the servers if they ha- if they have those as hardware they're really just going to to waste at that stage but with the virtual resources they could actually you know spool down a huge section of their compute uh, because mm-hmm. they're not using it anymore because they you know they're not actually delivering as much business and that's going to save them a huge amount of money. So it's that kind of dynamic flexibility to actually be able to scale up and down that I think you know, Horizon provides really well. And we work really well with VMware and a lot of their products. We have integrations with the SD-WAN Velo Cloud and Workspace ONE. And that's just you know, enabling, again, it's that sassy story. So you want your SD-WAN to be able to natively integrate and send the data required to those web security platforms like Menlo that can provide you know, the isolation technology. And it's if if that wasn't the case, and you did have to have separate products entirely for all of this, and it didn't all work nicely together, then it wouldn't really be fitting in the sassy story. So we did ensure to make sure that um, you know, we we were able to integrate very easily with Velo Cloud and Workspace One. It essentially, allows any of those VMware customers to you know, very easily uh, send the data and process those users to Menlo uh, without having to deal with you know complicated group policy that that needs to be updated every so often. Um, it's just very, you know, it's all in all in one UI, just one ch- uh, checkbox to tick and press go. It's very simple to execute. And on, on the plus side, I think you've just given us a subtitle for the uh, for the podcast, which is fantastic. I think a very <laughs> sassy story is going to uh, <laughs> it's going to take a lot That's of perfect. Lot of <laughs> <laughs> Great title. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is brilliant. It sounds like Menno's really filling a hole in the existing market, um, especially as it's helping to add substance to the defense of such big hitters as well. And I guess this is where the conversation between Extra and Menlo um, must have begun. To anyone who doesn't know, in the, in the last few weeks, Extra and Menlo have announced that they're, um, they're coming together in a partnership. And it looks like this relationship could really benefit a lot of customers. Um, they both have so much to offer to each other. Extrovert can include Menlo's isolation core and customer strategy discussions focused on addressing security concerns and deliver as an embedded part of VMware solutions, especially for those based around Horizon offerings, as we were just talking about. Um, I've also heard on the grapevine that um, Extrovert are including Menlo as part of their managed service portfolio of products. Now, Tom, you've been involved in this from the very, very beginning. Can you just 
tell us what the key benefits are of this partnership that um, has been formed between Extra and Menlo? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think the best part of it is going to be you know for for the customers, especially you know the managed service customers. Um, it's going to be a great fit. Again, it's furthering that sassy story <laughs> um, where uh, it's just making it very easy for for those customers to to achieve that that secure edge. So. You know, you have uh, the VMware Horizon experience and capability. You've got the, uh, you know, the other VMware products with VeloCloud to actually enable that connectivity. Um, so if somebody signs up with, you know, Extrovert, they're not just getting the individual technologies and kind of having them to muddle them together themselves. It's kind of a full solution in, in that you, you have Horizon to then cover the scaling needs of a dynamic workforce that is you know, going to be changing. It's going to be having increases and, and decreases over the next few years. And you'll have lots of different locations added to that. And there'll be a lot of changing to the workforce. So it's important to have that you know, horizon sort of virtual workspaces being able to be you know, scalable and, and fit with that dynamic. But then you have, you know, you've got VeloCloud SD1 to kind of control and figure out exactly where you want traffic to go and steer that traffic. And then, of course, you know, Menlo Security can then act as a you know that one hundred percent layer of protection against web and email threats for those for the remote workers, but any workers you know within the offices as well. You can still, of course, use those isolation technologies, and uh, that's kind of a single solution. It's not three different ones. You guys can deploy all of that. You can make sure it works all together. Um, you can do the contracting and the managed service to make sure that it stays working and <laughs> is updated. And um, it kind of actually delivers the uh, the full story. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very useful for the for the customers um, and probably uh, yeah, pretty, pretty cost efficient as well. So you've got the reduction in the cost from VMware Horizon. The end users are now working from home anyway, which is a, a big reduction. And we could see a lot of you know, organizations maybe you know, lowering their office space, investing more in this kind of flexible strategy that extroverts offering um, because they're, you know, they're happy with the security because you know, there's technologies like Menlo out there. Um, it's no longer a, a taboo to think, oh, we should move everything to the cloud. And suddenly that's scary to a lot of people. That's no longer the case. It's more efficient. It's more, it's cheaper a lot of the time. Um, and you know, organizations can really move to this next generation of working where they have a you know, much lower amount of office space. They have a really you know, tuned and well-designed and, and used technology suite that allows them to do this effective working from home in a safe way. And they save costs from that. They save in reduction of breaches. They get extra productivity. Workers are happier. It's just a win, 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 win. So um, yeah, I think... That's really the best offering <laughs> that I've seen. That's, well, that's awesome. And once again, you've come up with a wonderful title for our entire relationship, which is just Extrovert and Menlo creating the complete package. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you should work in marketing. This is awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So besides my earlier statements of 2020 and the implications of Doom, there is good news that technology is always evolving and there's great people out there that are always trying to help, like the good people at Menlo always looking for new and better ways to keep your, your business safe. Extrovert are also there to help. If you're looking to embrace a cloud or digital workspace solution or are looking to improve and further secure what you already have, talk to Extrovert. They cherry pick the very best technology such as Menlo to ensure that you can achieve your goals and thanks to their team of experts and years of experience can help you achieve these goals faster. 
If you like the sound of Menlo and want to up your security game, or if you'd like to find out more about how Extra can help you along your cloud journey, just go to extra.com forward slash contact us and we'll be happy to chat. So I'd like to extend a very heartfelt thank you to Tom for coming on. For me, it's really opened my eyes to some of the areas of security I'd not even really thought of before. And I'm hoping that those listening might take on board how to seal some of those gaps that might have occurred in the last year or so. If you'd like to learn more about Menlo or get hands-on with their technology, where's best to do that? So I would definitely recommend checking out try.menlosecurity.com. It's super easy to use. In about two or three minutes, you basically get a hands-on feel with it. So there's no data sheets or white papers to have to run through. Just go to try.menlosecurity.com and you can use isolation today. Brilliant. And Tom, if anyone would like to reach out to you directly, how would one go about doing that? So I'm available, of course, on LinkedIn. Uh, so please feel free to get in touch. My name on there is Thomas McVeigh. I work for Menlo Security. But of course, if you're interested in, in Menlo as well, I work for the EMEA team. If you get in touch with Menlo Security, there's a good chance I'll be there to actually deliver a demonstration and run through. You've got quite a few um, videos up on YouTube that people can visit as well. So I've done a few YouTube videos on some of the benefits from Menlo's point of view. So if you visit the Menlo Security YouTube channel, have a look through those. I think they're quite good. good. <laughs> but I would do. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick the links to those in the description below. And if anyone would like to learn more about Expert and how they can get you started with Menlo and a plethora of other cloud technologies, you can go to expert.com. That's X-T-R-A-V-I-R-T dot com. And you can get in contact with us there on expert.com forward slash contact us or drop us an email at info at expert.com. And if you like Cloud Insiders and want to find out more, you can visit us at Twitter at Cloud Insiders. You can get hold of us on team at cloudinsiders.fm. And you can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. The list goes on and on. And all our episodes are on YouTube as well. So, Tom, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, it's been an absolute and genuine pleasure. And to those listening, thank you so much, and we hope to catch you again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks.